you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 2. And one of the things I, I, I like to share with people, yesterday I did a funeral, kind of a memorial service, and occasionally people just, I, I don't know, you know, what they think, so to speak, of pastors, because we all have sort of a framework. By the way, yes, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We definitely want to give you a free Bible. But I think sometimes people just assume pastors just, they just were born pastors. You know, they just were like, as a little boy, you know, I've always wanted to be a pastor. Or as one man once said to me, oh, so you're a preacher, there's good money in the cloth. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I went to, a, uh, went to a job fair and they suggested, I got water on my glasses here. They suggested, um, yeah, that's, there's good money in the cloth. I'm like, give me a break. But I became a pastor because God's word radically changed my life, just radically. One day I was going south, the next minute I was going north. And not everybody has that experience, but I'm reminded of Psalm 19. It says, the law of the Lord makes wise the simple. And one of the, 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 the ways that life is portrayed in the Bible is that it's a path, it's a journey, and it's full of choices. But Jesus narrowed it down to really only two paths. The broad way, he said, that leads to destruction, and then the narrow way that leads to life. So at least I don't have to choose from a million different choices. It's just the broad way or the narrow way. Now, the narrow way in Scripture has, in the book of Proverbs, been described displayed as the way of wisdom, living wisdom in a wayward world. And remember last week we said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we defined wisdom as skillfully living God's way in God's world. And one of the things that, that we learn is that often our natural inclinations or what other people suggest to us is the exact opposite of God's wisdom. In fact, the Bible says that which is highly esteemed of men is often detestable in the sight of God. So we realize that when we learn the Word of God, we have a lot of reprogramming to do. In fact, Romans chapter 12 says it this way, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so this morning, we're going to look at chapter 2, which is a long chat with a dad to his son. It's almost like one long monologue. The son doesn't even get to pause and ask questions. You know, we're familiar with that. In fact, some parents, that's the only method you have of raising your kids is lecture. And probably by now, if you haven't figured it out, it's much like when you're talking to your dog. Well, you might be saying, Tippy, you look so cute today. I love when you make that face. All he hears is blah, 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 Tippy, blah, 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 Tippy, blah, 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 Tippy. And so, it isn't the only way, but it is important at times to give warning, instruction. But I want to encourage you to, to, as a parent, think of all the rich ways that you can speak into your child's life. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, as a father, I exhorted, I encouraged, and I implored you. So there are times to warn, there are times to encourage, there are times to be quiet, there are times to beg. There are times to offer rewards. And oftentimes, when we're encouraging our children to take a path, we're just saying, look, I don't want you to 
to make the same mistakes I did. But this morning, we're going to see three things in this chapter. Number one, father is going to say to his son, and in essence, God is going to say to his children, that I promise that you will find me if you urgently seek wisdom. So the first thing he's going to give is a promise to those who will urgently seek wisdom. Secondly, he's going to show us the protection that comes if we live by God's wisdom. And third, the pain we can avoid by living by God's wisdom. Frequently, I will bump my head. I think there's something about bald people that, I don't know why we bump our heads more, but anybody who doesn't have hair knows that, man, that sucker hurts, right? Hair, you should thank God, not just for your beauty of your hair, but it's like having a guard on your head. And so I usually have a whack on my head from something, just got one the other day, and my grandson noticed that the other day, and so I was carrying him down the steps and they're a little narrow, and he goes, don't bump your head. Don't bump your head, Pop. It's pretty sad when your one-year-old grandson has to remind you, avoid this pain. But many times the Bible is giving us guidance. Hey, I'm trying to avoid pain for you. So let's look first of all at this promise to those who urgently seek wisdom. Look with me in verse 1. My son, if you will receive my sayings, in other words, if you're open to God's word, if you will treasure my commandments within you. So more than just open to it, but, but ingesting it. What would that look like to treasure God's word within you? I don't know where people exchange this verse, but it's not thy word have I hid in my notebook. It's thy word have I hid in my heart. And we'll often hear people say, oh, you know, I, I'm not good at memorizing. We actually are better at memorizing than we realize. We memorize songs and things. But sometimes memory is not inspiration, it's perspiration. It's just, if I value something, I'm going to try to, to think about it and remember it and meditate on it. So, for example, when you read your Bible, what good is it if you read your Bible for the day, close it down, and don't think once more about it till the next day when you read your Bible put it down, and don't think once more about it. So the Bible talks about taking the word and then meditating on it through the day. He says, if you will make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Now look at the effort. If you cry for discernment, if you lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, and search for her as hidden treasures. Now, kids like to mess around looking for pirate stuff, but imagine if you had a pretty good suspicion that your great-granddad buried his gold bullion in your backyard. I guarantee you, you would, you would do what it takes to dig that bad boy up. You would, you would, you would pursue it because you want treasure. And so somehow we have to have a, a change in our affections where we're like, finding Jesus is, is so valuable that I'm willing to put some effort into it. It's like the pearl of great price when Jesus says, when that man found that pearl, for joy he sold everything and bought that pearl. So there's this, there's this invitation from God that says, if you seek me, 
if you're serious, if you earnestly seek me, then verse 5 says, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. And I wondered, what does he mean by that? If, if you seek for wisdom, you'll, you'll discover the knowledge of God. If we read that more broadly in the context of the entire Bible, I'm going to assume there that that's primarily describing conversion. That's how the Bible describes conversion, coming to know God. There are a whole lot of people that know about God, know about Jesus, but there's 18 inches between here and here. In fact, I just heard a man tell me this. He said, I, I, I was, grew up in a Christian experience, you know, knew all about Jesus, but one day someone just said to me, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Do you have a relationship with him? And he was like, no, I know about him, but I don't know him. And it was at that day that he put his faith and trust in Christ and invited Christ to be his personal Lord and Savior. So the initial call here is, I, ass I assume, to be a call to conversion. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his ways and let him return to the Lord and he'll have mercy on him and abundantly pardon. So Jesus is always inviting you strive to enter the narrow way. For, so those of you who are still in this journey thinking about it, ask yourself, you know, are, are you just looking at this as a little hobby? You know, it's nice to go to church. Or is this an all-consuming passion? Number one, to seek the way of salvation. If you're seeking God, you'll find him. He's not playing Marco Polo. But once you find him, I want to remind you that there, the Bible calls us to a continuous quest for diligence. Unfortunately, our nature is to become very spiritually lazy. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, Now that you have this like precious faith, you have become partakers of the divine nature through these exceeding precious promises. Be all the more diligent to add to your faith knowledge. Right? I'll hear kids say, well, you know, I, I don't like to read. Or, you know, I, I just don't have time to to read or listen to sermons. I'm so busy. Well, that's, that's a, a disordered sense of priority. So here God is, 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 is promising, if you urgently seek wisdom, you will first find the Lord, but then you will find how to walk with him. And those of you who are, are, are raising your kids, do you realize that's what you're trying to do? 2 Timothy 3.15 says, from childhood, you've known the scriptures that do what? That lead to salvation, ready for this? By giving you the wisdom to put your faith in Christ Jesus. So parents, continue to teach your children the Ten Commandments. Continue to teach them the law that, that they might not find out how to be good boys and girls, but that they might find out that they're sinners and that they might find out that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that they might turn and put their faith in Christ and be forgiven of their sins, and then learn how to walk with him. So there's the, the promise. The second thing is the protection that comes 
from living by God's wisdom. I mean, did, did you ever hear this phrase, if I knew then what I knew now, right? And we all kind of look back and go, that's why I, I kind of laugh, I call grandparenting a redo, you know? You go, gosh, man, I learned a lot since then. So you pay for your kids' therapy, and then with your grandkids, you're like, stop it, let me show you. And they're like, your kids are like, that's not how you raise me. Okay, I learned something, right? We're always in a journey of growing, but one of the things the Bible does is it, is it offers preventive, preventive counseling. So, so let's look. He says in verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. Where does it come from and how do I get it? It says, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright and he's a shield to those who walk in integrity. So just real quick, remember that. The Lord gives wisdom. Daniel said, to you, O God, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom. James 1, 5, as we're trying to make decisions, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God to give generously. Even as a Christian, Paul prayed for the Ephesians that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So continue to pray for a growing wisdom, not only in decision-making, but, but to get to know Jesus better, to know how to keep your eyes on the things that are eternal and not get preoccupied that the things, with the things that bog us down. And even as you're faced with difficult situations and you're like, I don't know what to say when my, when my cousin tells me that, you know, they want to change their gender or when my boss says this or I don't know what to say. Jesus said in Luke 21, don't worry about what you'll say for I will give you utterance and wisdom. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And as we're in God's word and as we're praying, God promises to give us wisdom. But the purpose of that wisdom in this case is to protect us. So let's look briefly. He says, it will guard, verse 8, the path of justice. He preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Not everything's black and white, is it? There are a lot of decisions that are, that financial, you know, somebody once came to me and said, Pastor, I got offered this way better job. You know, I'm going to make so much more that I can support my family, but the thing is, I, I won't be able to come to church anymore because I have to work Sundays, and I won't be able to work with the, the youth on Wednesday night anymore. What do you think I should do? Well, I can't answer that, but I could give you some advice. The Lord gives us wisdom. He says, wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And then discretion will guard you and understanding will watch over you. So he, here's, he's going to just throw down two things that wisdom will protect you from. If you walk with God or in his word and pray, two things. It's going to keep you from wrong, or how, how did I word it? It's going to keep us from, don't let me get this mixed up here. It'll keep us from bad influences and sexual foolishness. Now, there's a lot of other things, but bad influences and sexual foolishness. Mark this down. We are influenced by the people we're around. There's just no way to, to get around that. We are influenced by the people we're around. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. 
we don't realize that we're constantly in this journey where either we're pulling people up or they're dragging us down. And so Christians struggle with this. Some Christians just separate. They're like, I'm just going to be in a monastery and not be around those godly, godless people. And I'm like, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus was holy, harmless, and undefiled, but he was a friend of sinners. So as you're navigating, think about the people, especially as you're a young person. Think about your friends. Just real quick, look what he says here. It will guard you, first of all, from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in her ways. Many a person who has fallen away from the Lord, it's through the influence of somebody else. Whether it's the, 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 the lady who begins to walk in the neighborhood with her unbelieving friend, and that unbelieving friend is constantly complaining about her husband and how, how we don't deserve this, and, and we should have... Our, we sh there's plenty of guys out there who would appreciate it. And next thing you know, they're both leaving their husband. Or the guy who, who, who his golf buddies or his, his hunting buddies or his softball buddies who are, who are saying, you know, come on, let's just swing by the bar, you know. And before you know it, you're dragged in with stupid people who, just like we were, foolish and disobedient, and were dragged down. I see this all the time at Cairn. I see young people making terrible decisions. So, so we're delivered from the bad influences that people have, but then secondly, we're delivered from sexual foolishness. He says, in addition, verse 16, it'll deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Two things I want to point out here is, notice that she didn't, she didn't lead you astray by her good looks. It was by her flattering speech. Make a note of that. Doesn't always start with good looks. Maybe that secretary who says, oh, your wife is so lucky to have somebody like you. You know, it must be a blessing to be married to you. And then... A reminder to those of us who are married to walk away from your spouse and be unfaithful is to forget the covenant of our God. When you get married, you're not just promising them. You're, you're promising God. It's a serious thing. Her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to death. None who go to her return, nor do they reach the path of life. And so he gives us this warning. Look, pursue wisdom with all your heart because you'll find the Lord and you'll, you'll, you'll find blessings staying on the narrow path. It'll guard you from these dangerous people. But then he closes by, by encouraging us. He says, so if you walk with God, walk in wisdom, walk with Jesus, you'll walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. And, and one of the things that stands out here is the necessity of community, right? He doesn't say, so you will just isolate yourself so that you could be a godly man. He says, you will walk in the way of good men. And I want to encourage you here. If you want to walk with the Lord, you cannot do it by yourself. You can't. 2 Timothy 2 says, flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, joy, love, and peace 
with others who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So how often do you hear us appealing to you to get connected with other Christians? Some of you, it's far too long. You say, yeah, I really should get in a group. I really should start meeting with somebody. At the end of the day, one of the reasons we avoid that is because we don't want somebody asking us the hard questions. We don't want somebody asking us, how's your relationship with Christ? How's your prayer life? Are you being faithful to your wife? So if you are avoiding being intimate and connecting with others simply out of fear of being exposed and being accountable, then the Bible would say you're being foolish. And it's far past that time to say, Lord, I need other Christians. I need people to call me out. I need people to hold me accountable. It's disturbing when I hear people say, I like going to a big church because then nobody notices when I'm not there. Why would you want nobody to notice when you're not there? Why would you not want people to hold you accountable? The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And then he closes with this wonderful promise. The upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous uprooted. Kind of reminds me of the beatitude when Christ said, blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. David said, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They knew more than we thought. Hebrews says Abraham was looking for that city and God has prepared a city for them. They knew that there's another world. And that's what motivates us. That's what should keep you going, going, you know, life is hard right now, but it's not always going to be like this. Biblical hope is always looking to the future. It's faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. I, I believe that there's going to be a day of reckoning, and Jesus is going to come again. So, seeing this connection as we close between Jesus and wisdom, I want you to think about a couple of things. Number one, like, I didn't always keep to that narrow path. Okay, so let's, let's just get that out there. Number two, you didn't always keep to that narrow path. And some of you are, are smarting and grieved because you realize how you look in the rearview mirror and you go, I make so many bad decisions and, and why didn't I listen to this a long time ago? You don't have to stay there. The Bible says, forgetting what lies behind, we press on. But there has to be a turning point. There has to be a, a decisive repentance that says, I don't want to walk in that path anymore. I remember hearing somebody say, so-and-so's not going to your church anymore because they don't like what you say about this and this and this. Well, you can find a church to, to, to tell you whatever you want to hear. You can find somebody to tickle your ears. But God's word, the Bible says, is profitable to correct us reprove us and train us in a path of righteousness that we might be equipped for every good work. So wherever you are in your walk with Jesus, if you never entered that narrow way, come to him today. If you've strayed from that narrow way, he's not going to kick you to the curb. He's calling you back. And if you're on that narrow way, get busy <laughs> loving, praying, shepherding, and reaching out to encourage others to join us. Amen? All right. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much that Jesus 
is our only hope. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for giving us your word that imparts wisdom to us in our ignorance. Have mercy. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know the Lord yet, that you would cause them to want to seek you, to cry out and ask for salvation, and to believe that you will save them. Lord, just help us to minister to each other in love and encouragement as we grow in grace as a church and we learn how to reach out and serve others, advancing the gospel and making disciples. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.